You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to church uh, at home or church in, in my home. You guys are in my living room. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here at SGC, and welcome to my house. Thanks for joining us for worship today. And before we go in too much further, uh, I want to just take a minute to address the elephant in the room. You know, if you tuned into uh, church uh, at home last week, well, number one, we might apologize for the tech issue that we had in our online campus. But number two, you might be like, man, like last week was crazy. And we didn't even talk at all about all the, the insanity that happened in Washington and the Capitol and all that stuff. And there's a very good reason for that. Uh, the reason is because we recorded it well in advance before that happened. And so uh, I'm not going to talk about it today. You know, I was as shocked as, as many of you were. Uh, and this is a great time for us to be praying for our nation uh, as a people. Um, I, I am going to talk about it next week, but I really I, I don't want to react in anger or the sort of visceral response, I think, welled up in me and, and maybe you too. I really want to sort of take the time to evaluate okay, like what's going on and not just what does our country need, but what does the word say? Like what, what can we glean from uh, the Bible as far as politics go? And so um, next week we'll talk about that, but I just want to make sure that I'm taking the time to, out of respect for you uh, and uh, faithfulness to God's word, that I'm just making sure that we're really digging into that uh, with some restraint and some wisdom. So that'll be uh, next week. Today, we're going to continue in this series called Hindsight is 2020. And uh, if you joined us last week, um, here, here's what it's all about. Basically, there are some things that I think we can learn um, as a people looking back on the year 2020, looking back on all the craziness that we encountered with the COVID insanity and the election stuff and how life for many of us was changed. And so what we're doing, this little tiny series is talking about, okay, look, what's some stuff that we can glean? Last week, we talked about trusting God and, and all the fear going on. And today, I sort of thought we'd sort of continue uh, as I've jotted down some notes on my iPad, um, because one of the things that I learned last year was just how much we take for granted in life. Like if you thought about that, like there's just so much about our basic way of life that we take for granted. We don't even think about it, man. And I didn't even realize how, how much I've been blessed and you have too. I mean, my, my gosh, like I never realized that I should be thankful for not having to wear a mask when I go to everywhere. You know, I never thought like before last year, it never dawned on me what a, just an absolute gift it is to fellowship and spend time with people that, that I love and not have to worry about sickness and, and or infecting them. I mean, I I never really thought about how much of a privilege that is and, and how much I just sort of went through life not even thinking at all about it. I never realized how much I take for granted the, the peg game on the table at Cracker Barrel, you know? Like, you know, I mean, it's gone now, you know, and all this stuff. It's trying to keep everything sane. I don't know if I'll ever know how to get past two or three pegs left. I mean, never had that opportunity again. But it's just one of these things where, like, life is this crazy thing where there's so much to be grateful for that we don't see so often until it's taken away. And so I thought today what we could do is just sort of dig in and talk about gratitude, talk about appreciating the things that God has blessed us with. And um, 
I need to let you know, man, like, if you're like, oh, man, this is going to be like one of those sunshine and rainbows talk where it's just, like, I, I, that's just not how I'm wired. I, I, Pastor, don't beat me over the head with this positivity thing. I got to tell you, listen, I, I'm in that boat. This is an area where God is very much growing me in my own heart. Uh, I am I, on the wrong days, very pessimistic in my outlook and very, very, you know, negative. And, you know, some people, like, they're, they're, they're the exact opposite. Some people find joy in everything. They'll be like, oh, oh, look, a seagull pooped on me. Oh, well, it's a good opportunity. To, to wash my jacket. And that's not how I'm wired, man. Like, like my day's ruined with that, with that type of thing, you know? I, I had a day last week where Katie, uh, she, she was saying as I was leaving the house, because um, just some, some, some stuff that had happened, I had gotten some phone calls and texts that, that morning that really put a sour taste in my mouth about the day. And, and, she, and I'm leaving the house, and she's like, have a great day. And I turn around, like, I, I probably won't. And then, like, left. <laughs> I mean, that, that's me. Just, I, I, I wish it wasn't, and I pray that's an area that God continues to grow me, but very often that, that's how I respond to things. You know, uh, we, we did at um, Advent, right? We, we, like one of the biggest blessings and joys like that I've had was that, that message where Sean my, McCarthy, my friend, uh, talked about joy. And that was one of the things for me, like I needed to hear that message. I needed to learn about joy being a choice. And, you know, it, it's one of these things where, like, as I choose, like, joy and I choose not to let my joy be defined by my circumstances, it changes my outlook on these types of things, and it leads me into gratitude. And that's actually where I want to start today. I want to start with this little passage in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, where the Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Rejoice always. Meaning like, okay, like, no matter what's encountering, like, choose joy. Choose to reflect like, this, this new mode of life. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. And this doesn't mean like you never talk to other human beings, but it's this idea of inviting God into your daily routine, no matter where you go, no matter what you're encountering, that you're going like, all right, um, you know, Lord, thank you for this day. Like, I, I, whatever I'm carrying on the just bring that to you instead of despairing, instead of flipping out. Like, okay, God, this is an opportunity for me to seek you in my, in my circumstances. And lastly, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the ones where we've been waiting for some kind of payoff or some kind of change. But no, in all circumstances, give thanks. And he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that's the part of the passage that makes me sort of step back. Um, because saying something is God's will for me is a very, very heavy statement. I mean, think about how it's used. This is, you know, like in Romans, it talks about the renewing of our minds and so that we'll be able to discern God's will. And for how many of us, like we're seeking God's will in life and we would never think about it in terms of praying and rejoicing and giving thanks in things. I mean, we hear this phrase, God's will, and we think it's something that has to do with like destiny and roads to be like sought and discerned, or we think about like, you know, repenting from sin because we think like God's will is to get away from sin and things that destroy us, right? But like God's will having to do with me rejoicing and giving thanks, like who, who thinks this way? And yet, and yet, what we discover is according to this passage, like, no, like God's will for us, the thing that God wants, that's how we can define God's will, what God wants for you and me is joy found in gratitude. And how, how do I do that? I mean, like, maybe this is where you're at. Like, you're going through your life. You're going like, Bert, I don't have anything to, to be grateful for. Like, I'm, this is falling apart. That's falling apart. I'm mourning this. I'm mourning that. I, I've had this thing go wrong. So you're telling me to give thanks. Man, I got nothing to give thanks for. And I would tell you, man, like, if that's where you are, I'm going to give you some things today. 
some things I think everybody who's watching this broadcast have in common. Can you guys see this little thing on camera like floating around in front of me? All right, anyway, some, some things that all of us have in common that are really big deals. And so here's the very first thing I would tell you, like if you're having a hard time finding st like stuff to be grateful for, here's the first thing that you should be grateful for and something that you can be grateful for. It's this, your existence. Your existence. Now, to, to hammer this home, I need us to understand a number, okay? And it's this number right here, trillion. Now, you go like trillion, okay, well, I, you know, I, I went to math class in school, I know there's million, billion, trillion, big deal, okay? Here, I want you to understand how big trillion is, okay? So, if you were to have a trillion seconds, you're like, okay, like how long is a trillion, okay? A trillion seconds is 32,000 years. That's how big a trillion is. It's one followed by 12 zeros. 32,000 years is a trillion seconds. And you're like, well, how long is that? Well, um, the sum of recorded human history, as long as we've been writing about our history as a people, is only 5,000 years. Okay, so just bring that in. So, like, you know, if, if all that we know about, like, writing about life and educating ourselves is 5,000 years, okay? Yeah, you're telling me that a trillion seconds is 32,000 years. Basically, here's the big deal, that, that a trillion is a really big number. Okay, so, so why are you bringing that up? Okay, a trillion, got it, big. Okay, here's why. Okay, because scientists estimate that the odds of you being here is 1 in 400 trillion. I mean, when we take into to all these different factors about you existing, whether it be like the, the earth itself, but also just like all the different combinations of people throughout history, all the people who had to, to come together in order to form your family and your lineage, and then, and then your parents get together and all the different combinations of DNA and all the kids who could be made, like, like you, you personally, in order like for you to be here, the odds of you being here is one in 400 trillion. So just take that in for a moment, you little miracle you. Like, just think about that. Like, that there's so much going against you existing, yet here you are, and, and the, 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 you, you look at this and you go, like, okay, so what? Well, here's the, here's the so what. You did nothing to make that happen. Like, you didn't will yourself into existence. That came because a supreme God said, I want him to be here. I want her to be here. I want to create that person. I want to create that Bob. I want to create that Rachel. I want to create that John. I want to create that Allie. Like, okay, I, like we would look at ourselves and we take us for granted. But the thing that I want you to understand is there's nothing for granted about you. Like, you are here against so many odds. You are a miracle. You are a testimony to be grateful for the miracle, like the, the, the life-forming hand of God. And you go, okay, so what? That's, that's nice. What else you got? Well, I got more. I got more. All right, here's the next thing. And I'm grateful for, I don't, again, I, I, my 80s going nuts today. If you guys can see a little fly flying around the room in here with me today, we're just going to get through it. Okay, but I see it too. So if you're like, man, he, he okay, I, I know. Okay, here's the next thing for you to be grateful for. Okay, because we're talking about life. Here, okay, um, you can be thankful for basic food, water, and medicine. That you've had. And you go, yeah, that's nice. No, the thing you have to understand is that not every person has that. Like if you're tuning in today, you've been afforded some opportunities that aren't afforded to every human being. So for instance, right now, this comes from a, a great charity called Charity Water. They give 100% of the proceeds to providing clean water to people who have none. And right now on the planet, 785 million people live without clean water. Think about that for a second here. That's one in 10 people on the planet. They live without access to something as basic as clean water, water without bacteria, water like that, they could, like, that won't make them sick as a result of drinking it. One in 10 people on the planet, that's, that's twice the population of the United States right now living here without clean water. How about this? Food. 
on the planet again, more than double the population of the United States. The population of the United States is 328 million, if you're curious. Um, 690 million people go to bed with being hungry regularly. They regularly go to bed hungry. 690 million people. And how many of us, like, man, like, we just, we have so much food in the storehouse we trip over. Like, last night, like my wife and I, uh, we were watching some Food Network because it's awesome. And we were watching a thing on, on baking cookies. And it's like 9 o'clock at night. And the kids are asleep. We're like, you know, let's, let's make some cookies. Because we're grownups. We can do that, right? And so we make cookies because we had the stuff in the house. But listen, that's not the And maybe you had that, like, you should go for a midnight snack or what have you. And, and to say nothing of, like, fearing uh, where your next meal is going to come from. Now, not all of us uh, have had that experience. I recognize that in, in the United States, like, a lot of people are hungry, but listen, for most of us tuning into this, we have never questioned where our next meal was going to come from because God has blessed us with such abundance. How about this? Um, you know, in our country, there's all this debate about health care, right? And people debate like, okay, how much should the government pay for? Should the government pay for? How much should something cost? How much should be on insurances? And on and on it goes, okay, but do you know that one billion, and that's billion with a B, People living right now have no access to a healthcare system at all. It's one in seven people on the planet right now. Us, like we don't even realize the stuff that's afforded to us. I mean, how about this? Um, of that billion people, every year, this is as of 2019, pre-COVID, 5.2 million children die from preventable causes. Whether that be starvation, whether that be disease that we have the medicine for. 5.2 million kids, that's a life lost every six seconds. Think about that. These kids who matter to God. You want to understand how big 5.2 million is? Um, so in 2020, the world shut down because of COVID and the fear of death. To date, as of the date of this recording, there have been 1.9 million deaths related to COVID-19. So more than double that every year, children lost to preventable causes because they did not have the blessings that are afforded so much to you and me simply because of where we were born. And this is, by the way, before you despair, this is why we as a church, we're not complacent with that. That's why we invest in organizations like heavily, generously, like Samaritan's Purse, who, who go out of their way to you know, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, provide medical care and shelter, and we'll continue to do that. And, and, and we rejoice a little bit that, that there are so many organizations worldwide who are fighting th these basic humanitarian uh, neglect Thanks. And so, like, you should just know that in the last 30 years, since 1990, okay, we, we looked at 5.2 million, but that number is actually slash in half. It actually used to be 12. It's a little bit, a little bit more than slash in half, okay? Here's why I'm bringing this up, okay? It's not because what I want you to hear from me is they, like, any kind of indifference towards those who are suffering. I don't believe that. No, I believe every life matters to God, and we should do everything we can to help. But here's why I'm bringing this up. Because you and I have been given blessing after blessing after blessing, even in just basic quality of life. That leads to the third thing. You know, because here's how, here's how we're able to have these things. You should be thankful, and you can give thanks for your wealth. 
your wealth. We in the United States, compared to the rest of the world, are incredibly rich. Incredibly rich. I'm not rich. Yeah, you are. Check this out. This stat comes from the World Bank. Okay, World Bank. Did you know that if your annual income is more than $34,000, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the world? Let that sink in for a moment, okay? If you make more than 34K, you are, you are richer than 99% of people on the planet. And I'll never forget this, man. This was illustrated to me. I used to work at the movie theater in Midway, you know? And every summer, we would have foreign exchange students. They would come. They would come from Poland. They would come from Russia. I have my friend Richard, uh, who came from Slovakia, who, who actually watches this sometime. Uh, so my Czechoslovakian heritage requires me to say to Richard, Ahoy, brother. Ako samach. But it's one of those things where like, I get to know the, the, these great people. And uh, what they would do is they would come to the States because of how, like, like how much money they make like here compared to, to home. And they would work their tails off throughout the summer, just taking every bit of hour and all the time that they possibly could to save up all this money to either send back to their family or take home to live off of the rest of the year because they made so much more here than they would have at home. Why? Because we in the United States are rich. We just are, man. Like, look, let me say it to you this way, okay? Do you understand that right now in the world, two billion people, two billion, okay, again, two out of seven on the planet are plagued by parasitic diseases that could have been prevented simply by having a pair of shoes. Shoes. There are so many people on the planet right now who don't have shoes that they get parasites in their feet. And look, how many, how many pairs of shoes do we have? How many shoe racks do we have? Like, you know, we go to Marshalls. I mean, I, I love Marshalls. I buy shoes on the cheap. I've got such like abundance that I can. But here's the thing to understand that that's not something that everyone has. In fact, of that two billion, three hundred million are children. Children. Why? why? Why am I bringing this up? Because you and I have been blessed and blessed and blessed. You should be thankful for the roof over your head. Right now, 80 million people have been displaced. Refugees and such. They don't have homes. They've been forcibly removed from their home. It's the highest number in human history, but that's not true for you and me. Hey, how about this? Here's something to be thankful for. Uh, this is what I'm thankful for in my house. A flushable toilet. That's awesome, right? I, I, have, I, have, I have like eco toys. I have the, like the two buttons. You push one and then you push two. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's great, okay? And here's the thing, though. Do you, do you know? Do you know that 60% of the population on the planet right now, okay, 60%, that's 4.5 billion people, do not have access to toilet safety that manages human waste in their home. 60% of the world right now. How about this? You can be thankful for that. How about this? Um, education. Look, come on. It's the school year. Students have gone back. Students, if you're watching right now, you're like, oh, I hate school. Yeah, I know. But do, do you understand what a gift it is to have a free education? Reading. Look, right now, 757 million people on the planet are illiterate because they were never given an education. That's more than the population of Europe. It's one in 10 people on the earth right now. Can't read, but you and I can. And we, again, we did nothing to earn it. And there are just so many things that we have been blessed with simply because of where we were born. We didn't earn them. And we go, okay, so why don't we see it? Like maybe this is brand new information to you. You had no idea how rich you are, how, how blessed you are, how your general mode and quality of life and the things that you've just taken for granted. Like you had no idea that you had all of them. And these weren't universal experiences to the world. Here's why. 
Because most of us, rather than rejoice with a spirit of gratitude or stop to recognize these things, we instead focus in not on what we have, but on what we don't have. Chuck Swindoll said it like this years ago. He said, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitudes toward life. He said, the longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is, and look at this, 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. And I think that's true. Life is mostly our response and less of what we encounter. It doesn't come from what we actually have at all. It comes from how, what we choose to make of what we have. If you take notes, I want you to write this down today because this is the big thing with gratitude. If you're, if you're waiting for like sort of pay dirt for you to be grateful to God, if you're waiting for that thing to change, if you're waiting for, okay, I want to get this or get that, here's the thing I need you just to understand today. Gratitude is more about what's in your heart than what's in your hand. Let me say that again. Gratitude is more about what is in your heart than what's in your hand. Let me illustrate it this way. So years ago on MTV, there used to be this show, you might remember called My Super Sweet 16. Remember that show, my super sweet 16? Okay, here's what my super sweet 16 was. It was about rich brats who had way too much money and who, uh, a little bit jealous of. Basically, here's what happened, okay? You have these, these, these kids who, like it's their 16th birthday party, and it was all about them just having this gaudy party, right? So they have like, I don't know, like giant ice sculptures or a cake shaped like Elvis. I, I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not with it. But like that was the idea, like these big gaudy parties where you know, like they'd run a club or they had celebrities show up, right? And if you ever saw the show, you know it was not uncommon for the birthday boy or birthday girl to absolutely lose it. And they would just become infuriated when like one tiny detail or something wasn't there that they wanted to be. So like, Dad, like I wanted, I wanted a Hummer limo that was gray and you got me a Hummer limo that, that, that's grayish blue and I, and like they'd lose it, right? And, and they, they were brats. They were absolutely brats, okay? Because they, we on the outside of that type of opulence, we would look at that and we'd be like, like you understand what you have right there, okay? But they didn't. And the reason they didn't was because they were used to the wealth. Now, here's why I bring this up. Because in the same way, you and I do this to God all the time, all the time. God gives us blessing after blessing after blessing. We find that little thing to focus in on. We find that little area where we're like, okay, I don't have this, I don't have that. Nah. And we have our spoiled little temper tantrums. And I want you to understand something. Just like you know, any earthly father, if his kid responded that way, he would feel anger. He would feel underappreciated. He would, he would feel a sense of rejection. That's what we do to our Heavenly Father when we don't give thanks for the blessings that He has continually given to you and to me. So what do we do? Well, we have to change our perspective a little bit. That's where the Word comes in. You're like, you going to do any more Bible today? Yes, right now. Because what we have to do and what we have to understand is that as long as we're, we're focused on what we don't have, we'll never see what we do. And somebody who understood this really well was, was one of the wisest men who ever lived. His name was Solomon, King Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel, uh, his son of da King David. And Solomon was known for having every measure of earthly success to the people of his day. So, you know, this is a very patriarchal society. So, for instance, um, you know, Solomon didn't have one wife. He had, like, hundreds of them, and then concubines, and, and to, to guys back then, they were like, wow, you know, Solomon had more wealth than anybody 
ever around him. God used to just bring him money just to give to him. Solomon was known for being incredibly wise to the point where people would just sit at his feet and listen to him talk and listen to his judgments and pronouncements. Solomon, when it came to making an impact and doing something that mattered and made a difference, he created one of the wonders of the ancient world called King Solomon's Temple. I mean, Solomon was a guy that when it came to you know, sort of earthly paradigms of success, he seemed to have it all together. And yet, and yet, Solomon, by the end of his life, was miserable. And tradition tells us that he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes, where he has a very, very bleak outlook on things. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this is what Solomon writes. He says this. He says, And I saw, this is verse 4, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. So Solomon, basically what he's doing is he's evaluating, like, why is it that people progress and why is it people work hard and why is it that we try to give ourselves good lives and we try to further our lives and, you know, put more money in the account, put a new addition on the house, get the, the white picket fence, get people to recognize us, get the love and admiration that we see. Like, he goes, why is it that people do any of it? And he goes, right, and it'd be toil, like working for something. Working after something, and Solomon goes, I know what it is. I've seen it happen time and time again. Here's why people do it, okay? Because they envy one another. In other words, Solomon would say, okay, like, if you want to sort of evaluate the primary motivator for human behavior and interaction, it's people looking to their right and their left and going, okay, what, what, what's he got? I'm doing better than that. What, 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 what's she got? I'm not, I'm not there yet. And so, so I need to get over there. And that's what Solomon would say. Okay, like, this is where human achievement comes from. It comes from us just comparing ourselves to other people. And so what happens is you get people like who get amped up. Okay, I, I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm good here. I'm, I'm not good there. All right. And, and what he and, and he makes this really, really brilliant observation about it when he realizes, listen, like we're, when we figure out where we are, it's not based on gratitude. It's based on where everyone else is. And that's why we don't recognize our wealth as Americans because we're just comparing ourselves to the Joneses. And here's what he says with that in mind. He says this too is meaningless. Meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And this is so powerful, you guys. This word in in the Hebrew that we translate as meaningless, it's hevel. And uh, what this word means, it's kind of a neat little word picture. So uh, if you've ever been outside in the wintertime, of course you have. I don't even know. That's a dumb way to say that. When you go outside in the wintertime, no, no bird, I've lived underground in a bunker. Anyway, you go outside in the wintertime, right? And you know, like on like a day where it's really, really cold, right? And you breathe and you see like your breath come out in the air and it sort of fades up into nothingness. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's this word that we translate as meaningless. But like it's just kind of this temporary thing. You're just and then it's just gone, you know? And Solomon says, like, okay, as, as hard as we try, as much as we want to build things for ourselves and build kingdoms for ourselves, he says, listen, at the end of the day, that, that's all that we are, just up in, in the air and, and then gone. And he says, he says, it's a chasing after the wind. Like, to sort of, like, cling at life like this. Like, and the idea is simply being this, like, chasing after the wind, it's something that's impossible. Just if you were sort of go out and try and contain it, well, you, you, you can't chase the wind. You can't contain the wind. You can't like harness it or just keep it to yourself. Now, that chase is unending. And Solomon goes, that's what life is. That's what for so many people, like their, their motivator in life is when they're going, all right, what's he got? What's she got? Okay, and, and that's what like motivates them to go forward and, and, and achieve in life. He says it's endless. It will never stop. This is why us, the richest people in the world, are never happy. You know why? Okay, because all that we do is we just compare to other people. That's like, what do they have? What do I have? What do they have? What do I have? And just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And what happens? The, the, the gratitude goes away. And here's the thing I just want you to understand today. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The fastest way to ruin your blessings is to compare them to someone else's. 
Let me say that again. The fastest way to ruin your blessings is to compare them to someone else's. When you are doing this, here's what's going to happen. Like, no, no matter what it is that you have, it'll, just, it'll kill your enjoyment of it. You work hard to achieve something. It's not, work, it's not bad to do that, okay? Like, like, but what happens when you compare your achievement to someone else's? You can always find somebody who's achieved more. You work hard to make money. What happens when you compare what you've made to other people? Well, you can always find somebody who makes more. You know, you invest yourself in relationships. You want to be loved. Like you want friends. What happens? Well, there's always somebody you can perceive that seems to be more loved than you. What is that? It's chasing after the wind. And the problem is, as long as we're comparing our blessings to someone else's, we won't enjoy them. Now, before we despair, before we despair, and go like, oh my gosh, so, so why even try? Solomon anticipates this because, again, he's a wise guy. He anticipates that response. And so here's what he says in verse 5 of, of Ecclesiastes 4. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Fools fold their hands hmm, and ruin themselves. In other words, basically what he's saying is, it's a foolish person who goes, well, since I can't have everything, why try? Hmm. You know, I, well, since I'm going to fail, why try? Hmm, I'm going to fold my hands. I'm done. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to uh, strive after things. or I'm not going to like work to go forward in life. Solomon says that's foolish. No, no, that, that's not the attitude. That's not the response to what he's saying. So, okay, so what is? Well, so where verse 6 is so powerful. And so in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, he says this. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Just read that again with me. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Tranquility, um, meaning satisfaction. Solomon would say it like this. He would say, listen, it's better to have one handful, meaning the stuff that you need, and peace with that than two handfuls, you know, like sort of like grasping at these things, trying to maintain, hold on to everything that we possibly can. Solomon goes, listen, tranquility. Tranquility is, is saying, all right, look, this type of satisfaction, it's better to have one handful and room for more. And, and, and okay, like, okay, I've got this, here's what I need, and whatever comes into this goes out of it. In and out, it, it may go, but you know, Lord, I'm thankful for what's right here. There might be something over here, but I'm thankful for, for this right over here. Tranquility is this, this, this sense of satisfaction. Tranquility allows you to do things as, as you have peace and, and gratitude that, that you celebrate when others have more or, or they have the achievements that you wish that you did. You know, tranquility means like, instead of being like, oh man, I, I wish I could fit into that and, and so-and-so can. Like, oh, you know, I'm so happy that so-and-so has been working so hard. I'm proud of you for working hard to, to, to lose the weight or what have you. Like, okay, tranquility says, all right, you know, like, man, I worked really hard to get into that school and, and I didn't, but, but, but he did. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to celebrate that with you. I'm going to celebrate that, that you got it. I know you've been working hard too. Okay, like, tran like tranquility, satisfaction says, all right, you know, like, listen, I, I, I know that I know that, like, you know, I've been wanting to get that phone call, like, and, and I've, I've been a little bit lonely, and I, w and I wish my friends would hang out with me, but they, they called so-and-so and said, but, you know, I so-and-so was lonely, too, so I'm, I'm glad that, that somebody's there for them. Or, you know, I, I, I wanted to make a little bit more, but I want to celebrate somebody else getting that promotion. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, tranquility is going, all right, listen, thank you, God, for what I have. And Solomon says it's better to be able to say, I got one handful, and here's room. Then to just go, oh, I need it all. And see, this is so countercultural to us because, listen, as Americans, we're, we have been raised with the central assumption that more is better. 
We've been, we've been raised with the assumption that, okay, like, it's not just two handfuls, it's 20 handfuls. Like, give me all that I can take, and, and, if, and if I don't have, like, all that I can take, I'm going to get more, I'm going to get more. Like, our entire lives, we've been taught that more is better. This is exemplified. Right now, a movie just came out called, maybe you saw it, it's called Wonder Woman 1984. Did you see Wonder Woman 1984? I saw it. There's, there's the, like, one of the main villains of the film is this guy's name is Maxwell Lord, played by the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal. And Maxwell Lord, his, his line that he just dupes people with again and again, is, he says, listen, life is good, but it could be better. Like, that, that's the mentality that just seduces people with. But listen, how many of us fall into that? Okay, life is good. Yeah, I guess it's all right. But man, I want this. It could be so much better than where I am right now. And Solomon calls that toil. It's, it's striving. It's chasing. It's an unending chase. As long as you live for where you could be instead of satisfaction with where you are. You're chasing after the wind. It will not stop. Because, hey, here's the crazy part. Even if you get the thing that you've been working so hard to get, the rest of your life becomes about maintaining it. Have you thought about that? So let's say you get that promotion. Well, guess what? Now you got to perform at work to keep it. Let's say you get the money. Well, now you got to work hard to maintain like your certain lifestyle, like your certain way of life or maintain the money. I mean, like just like, the, the problem with chasing after these things is it's, it's an unending chase. There's no rest in it. There's no satisfaction as there would be with one hand full. And Solomon sees this and he goes, he goes, I have another example for you guys. So he says this. I love this. So good. He says, again, I saw something meaningless. Just temper, just ah, under the sun. He said, there was a man all alone. There's a man all alone. <laughs> he had neither son nor brother. And here, here's what Solomon is getting at. Okay, so again, patriarchal society, and this is not how we live. We don't endorse this, but listen, God speaks to and uses imperfect people, all right? And so in that society, something to understand is that legacy was only given to men. Meaning, if you were a man, you wanted to have sons to like to make your name live on, to to give your stuff to you when you die. They didn't give it to wives. They didn't give it to. They just didn't do that. Okay. And so, if you didn't have a son, you, you, the prayer would be that you have a brother, so that at least if you know if you don't have a boy, that it goes to your brother, and you have, so that your name, your legacy, your family lineage continues after you're gone. And here's Solomon. He's going. Listen. Here's this guy. And he has no future for him when he dies. He has nothing going on when he leaves the planet. And he says this. There was no end to his toil. What? There's no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And he's just working hard and working hard and working hard. And he's, he's, and he's, he's brought in the image of just like him bringing in all this wealth and all this stuff. But then he has a realization. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? It's basically this picture of this guy, he's working so hard, and suddenly one day, it's like a light switch just goes on. And he goes, why am I doing this? What's the point? I could be enjoying life right now. I could be enjoying the blessings that I have. Instead, of all, I've just thrown myself into work. I've just thrown myself into getting rich. I've just thrown myself into this. Like, why am I doing this? And this is really, really relevant right now. And this is the thing I want us to, to begin to ask ourselves. In fact, if you're taking notes, this is the gut check question that I want you to look into your heart with. And I'll look into mine as well. Like when we look at this and we look at chasing after stuff and, and what's robbing, of us, robbing us of our gratitude, here's the real question. Who am I doing this for, really? 
you ever ask that? Like, you, you, you evaluate your drive to succeed. You evaluate your drive to increase your, your quality of life. Okay, who are you doing this for, really? Who is it? How many, how many men have I talked to where their, their lines in life are about, I'm, just, I'm doing this for my kids, I'm doing this for, for my family, yet they never see them? It's not for the kids at all. Like, like what is that? Who am I doing this for, really? How many people do I, do I know where they have so sacrificially their time and their energy, but it's not from a pure heart, it's not the enjoyment they see in other people. They do it because they feel bad about them. They're hoping to atone for something. Like, who am I doing this for, really? Like, if, if you're, come on, let me just speak to, to my brothers for a second, because how many of us, we have this drive to succeed, we have this drive for achievement, recognition, success, okay? But if we were to really, really, like, peel back the layers and go through the curtain and look into our hearts, okay, and I were to ask you, who are you doing this for, really? You were to look at yourself, you go, man, who is it? How many of you, come on, like, you go, it's my brother. My entire life, I've, just, I've been competing with my brother. I've, I've always wanted to have as much as him. Like, he's got this, so I've got to show that I've got that. He's, he's, he was the smart one. I've got to be the smart one. He was the su- successful one. I've got to be successful. Like, and like, we just com- like, the sibling rivalry never stopped, even into adulthood, even though you're grown-ups. Even though nobody's looking now, but you know. And it's just this thing that's off-settled. For how many of you, like, the one that you're doing this for, it's not you. It's not your enjoyment. It's not your gratitude. You're doing this because you had a parent who was never happy. So even though they're long dead, you're still doing this for mom or for dad because they told you that what you did wasn't good enough, so you've got to do more. You've got to show that you're worth it. Who are you doing this for, really? For how many of you? You're miserable, and no one loves you enough. And, and, and you, you don't understand that like the thing that's wrong is you don't feel good about you. You don't have self-esteem. And so constantly what happens is you cycle through friend groups and you cycle through people because you go like, like, like you're with them for a little bit and then somebody doesn't call you the time that you wanted them to call you and you assume that means nobody loves you. The problem wasn't them. The problem is there's a longing in your heart. Your heart. Who are you doing this for really? And Solomon says, Solomon says, listen, it's better to be lacking. But to go, all right, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. And to be just, okay, I've got these two things. I've got to hold on to them. I need more, I need more, I need more. And this is a practice that we can begin to develop right where we are, no matter what we have. No matter what we have. You know how I know that? Because it's testified to again and again in Scripture. Let me show you a story. You understand this idea, like, my gratitude comes from, from a trust in God, and it comes from me thanking Him for what I have, regardless of what I encounter. Because look, at the end of the day, we only have what God gives us. And, and if we are Christians, we who are in Christ, we know that God's working all things together for the good of those who love Him, which means, okay, no matter what I have, it's exactly what I should have because God's doing it for me. So I'll give you an example of this, right? There's a story in the book of Acts where you've got uh, the apostles, and they're just beginning to spread the gospel and tell people about how Jesus died for their sin and rose from the dead. Jesus died to make us right with God. And you can imagine that the people who opposed Jesus did not take too kindly to this. There's this group, they're called the Sanhedrin, and basically they're the, the religious ruling class. And they command the, the apostles at the beginning of it, they say, you need to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And the apostles are like, well, we can't do that because it's true. And so in Acts 5.40, it says this, they called the apostles in 
and had them flogged. And that's a, a very medieval word. Here's what flogging was. Okay. This is what was done to them, simply because they did the right thing, simply because they wanted to tell other people about Jesus. So flogging usually entailed either a whip or a long rod. And at the end of it, there would be a leather sack. Okay? And in this, this little leather bag, there would be bits of glass, rocks, what have you. And so when somebody was flogging, that whip or that rod went into their back, the, the bag would go into their back. It would like break skin. And then on the way out, it would rip the skin, just leave it tattered in ribbons. So the person, like, I mean, like their back is now scarred. For, I mean, besides being incredibly painful. Okay, their back is now scarred for the rest of their lives. There's risk of infection. They could die from flogging. And this is what happened for doing the right thing. Okay, they would listen for the rest of their lives. They'd be reminded of this. Okay, I mean, like every time they went to the beach, if they took off their shirt, guess what? There are the marks that people would know, man, you were humiliated for something. You did something wrong. There'd be judgment on them always. Think about, man, if they wanted to lay down, something something as simple as laying down, there would be pain for it. This is what was done to them for doing the right thing. So they have them flogged. He says, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I don't know about your response to something like that. I'll tell you what mine, you know, outside of God's grace and power, how I default and think I'd probably react. I'd probably be pretty angry. With something like that, look, I'll be like, God, where were you? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. I thought you had my best interests at heart. I thought you you were working. I thought I was being faithful, but but you weren't faithful to me. That's not how they respond. Instead, Acts 5, verse 41 says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They left rejoicing. Yahoo, God, thank you. What? Yeah, why? Because their perspective is completely different. They said, listen, this only happened because God allowed it out of love for us. And what an honor that we should suffer just like our Lord did. For us as 21st century Americans who believe pain is to be avoided at all costs, I'm not judging you or me, and it's just how we're wired. This seems so outside of us. But here are these guys, and they go, listen, God's working all things. Lord, thank you that we got to experience this in honor of you. How do you do that? You do that with a heart of gratitude. Because your gratitude has nothing to do with what's in your hand, what's in your heart. And wherever you are right now, even if you say, listen, God, I thank you for my circumstances. I don't understand them. They seem like you can't work anything good in them, but I know that you will. You can start right there. Many of us, we've been afforded blessing after blessing, but no matter where you are, you can give thanks to God simply because there is a you. And today, as we wrap up, I wanna just take a minute. And what I'd like for us to do is two things. I want us to repent before God of our lack of gratitude that he has given us so many things. And then I want us to thank him together. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge right now that we have not always been grateful. That you have blessed us with so many things, Lord. And we thank you because we didn't earn them. You gave them to us. We, We did not control where we were born. You created us and brought us here. And we thank you for them. We thank you, Lord. 
Please forgive us for being ingrates. Please forgive us for not even choosing to see what you've given us and instead being focused on what somebody else has. Lord, we repent of that now in Jesus' name. We repent of comparison. We repent of jealousy. We repent of envy. We repent of a lack of gratitude. And Lord, instead we say, like, thank you for what's in our one hand, Lord. Thank you for, for the blessing after blessing, Lord. Thank you for life. Thank you for food. Thank you for water. Thank you for health. Thank you for clothing. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for love. Lord, thank you most of all for the gift of your son, Jesus, who died for our sin and rose from the dead. Even we didn't care about you. Even we didn't ask for it. Like, we thank you because you did this for us out of great love for us. And we love you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your blessing after blessing after blessing. And guys, I'll tell you right now, as you're praying, if you would say you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to, if you'd like to receive the blessing of his life in your heart, if you'd like for him to wipe away your sin, wipe away your past, forgive you and save you and take you to heaven to be with him when you die, right now is your opportunity. So right now, Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to hand your life over to Jesus, here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for looking past my sin and not responding to me as my sin deserved. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin so that I could be made right with you. And I thank you for raising him from the dead so that I can, I can live with you forever and so that I can be made into a new person. Lord, in this moment, I hand my life over to you. Please take it. You're in control of it now. I hand it over to you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Fill me with your spirit, please, and show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen, amen. Listen, guys, before we go, if you prayed with me just now, if you chose to hand your life over to Jesus for the first time or the 50th, I want you to know you haven't finished the race. You've just started it. And so listen, we actually created a special free website for you to help you go forward. If you visit solidground.church slash first steps, you find a bunch of free videos that we shot, uh, study questions and, and ways to help you go forward in your relationship with God. Also, guys, if there's any way we can be serving you, if there's anything you need prayer about, any real needs you have in your life, I want you to email us, hello at solidground.church. Let us know how we can help you bear your burdens. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today to Church at Home. Bless you. Hope you have a great week, and we will see you next week for some more Church at Home.